Closer Look is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Riverhead Ford Lincoln. Come experience America's best-selling brand by visiting your local Route 58 dealership today. At Riverhead Ford Lincoln, you're more than just a customer. You're part of the Riverhead Ford Lincoln family. Meet their team who are dedicated in helping pair you with the perfect vehicle. Whether you're searching for a coupe, SUV, convertible, or pickup truck, they've got it. Say hello to General Manager Tom Williams, a lifetime North Fork resident. Prepare yourself for the road ahead with a new Ford F-150, Ranger, EcoSport, and more. Riverhead Ford Lincoln has been the winner of the Ford President's Award five years running, 2013 through 2018, an honor rooted from superior customer satisfaction. Visit Riverhead Ford Lincoln on Route 58 in Riverhead, one mile east of the Tanger Outlets, or at riverheadford.net. Riverhead Ford Lincoln, not just a better deal, a better dealership. We obtained justice for Andrew. That's what this was about. We never lost sight of that. And today, justice was served. everyone's fault except for Thomas Murphy's. Well, he got a wake-up call today. The jury didn't buy it. And they didn't buy it because it's complete and utter nonsense. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Closer Look. I am Graham Parpan. I am joined this week by reporter Tara Smith. Hello. And we are actually just a few hours removed from the verdict in the case against Thomas Murphy. And we are here to talk about that this week. Tara and I have been uh, covering the trial for the last, uh, well, six weeks. Yeah, six. Uh, yeah, since the start of the trial. And even before that. With before that, jury selection. Jury selection. There are other hearings. At the top of the podcast, you heard from uh, District Attorney uh, Timothy Sini. Kind of the first time we've, we've heard from prosecutors during this whole process. Uh, so we wanted to kind of lead with that. And uh, Tara, I just want to open by asking you, um, were you kind of surprised that we had a verdict when we did? A little bit, a little bit. So, but actually before there was a lunch break today, I think I was telling you, I don't know, I don't know if there's going to be a verdict today. Yeah. Um, And that feeling that I had was really based off of some notes that the jury had sent the judge, Mm -hmm. um, I think yesterday that they were still working through this morning to get readbacks, to get evidence um, brought yeah. back to them to look over. And it was a huge amount that they wanted read back. Yeah. So I just, I wasn't sure like what the discussions they were having um, yeah. were I mean, I know turning we, into. Yeah, we stopped short of using, you know, uh, words like deadlocked or, you know, sure, like we didn't yeah. want to <clears throat> suggest to our readers that this jury was, we didn't really know what was going on behind closed doors, but some of the questions definitely led me to believe that they were thinking long and hard about, you know, was Thomas Murphy drunk? Um, They had uh, testimony read back regarding his, the time that they maybe started drinking the morning of the crash. And that really got me sort of thinking like, okay, well, maybe there's some jurors there that actually don't believe that he was drunk, which to me was kind of what this case sort of, you know, I mean, there's different elements to the different charges, but sort of the key Mm -hmm. thing in dispute here was, was he in fact drunk? Sure. Yeah. I I also thought it was interesting. They had testimony read back from three of his golfing buddies. um, And that's something that um, assistant district attorney, Brendan Ahern, really like really focused on in his summations of the case. He said, you know, we brought you the eyewitnesses who were with him all day, who saw him driving, who saw him swerving, 
Mm. Um, you know, and the, these are the best witnesses we could have brought you. They're his, his friends of 30 years. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was like super powerful. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were, I think it's fair to say, yes, these are the best witnesses that the prosecutors could have brought in terms of the long-term relationships what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought that, so the first friend who testified was Stephen Miola, um, obviously got crucified at the stand oh, yeah. by, um, uh, Stephen Politi, the defense attorney, and, you know, called them, I don't know, we were earlier in the day trying to recall the names, degenerate, loser, yeah, yeah, scumbag. Um, scumbag, you know, uh, really picking apart uh, his social media profile yep. and uh, some of the issues, maybe character issues. Really He's not the to... most upstanding guy, it seems. Yeah, but... I mean, I don't know, but yeah, like, uh, I don't know if I'd be hanging out with him anytime soon, <laughs> you know, you're not going to like uh, invite him over to, uh, you know, watch the Super Bowl. Uh, um, but yeah, you know, he, uh, he really went after him. Uh, the other two though, to my point, the other two friends, I actually felt like I walked away that day saying, you know, they kind of felt like more like defense witnesses, uh, mm-hmm. to an extent. I remember um, you texting me and telling me yeah, that that day. Yeah. Yeah. D, uh, they were Christy Maria and Ray O'Brien, one of mm-hmm. the other two guys in the, in the foursome at the golf course that day. And they were, uh, you know, they seemed kind of protective uh, of sure, Murphy, sure. and I know uh, Brendan Ahern. You covered that part of the summations. I was there earlier for the defense. You covered the prosecution part that day, and we kind of you know worked together on that particular story. Um, the you know he he did sort of say, uh, Mr. Ahern, something along the lines of he felt like maybe these guys were being less than truthful about uh, sure. how much alcohol was consumed. That yeah, day. he he. He he said that he brought them in to to confirm um, mm. a lot of Stephen Miola's testimony um, because they a lot of their story parts of their story did uh, line up did match yeah. up um, and then there were things that they disagreed on whether um, how long they had been drinking that day or or how much Tom Murphy had been drinking. Um, Brendan Ahern really had this theory that you know maybe since it was Chris Di Maria who brought the bottle. You know, maybe he's just trying to cover himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if liability might exist yeah. um, in a civil case or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, uh, yeah, and I know, well, I think early on, too, uh, that these two guys, they, so they were the other two guys who were driving. All three of them were in separate cars. Mm-hmm. Miola was in the car with Ray O'Brien. Right. And uh, I think, it, you know, it kind of came out, too, that they had come back to the scene, and when Mr. Murphy was getting arrested, they took off. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, Christy Maria, I'm loosely quoting him here, said something along the lines of like, yeah, you know, I was scared that, you know, I suggested that he was scared he might get arrested. Sure. Uh, not an exact quote there. But um, it was, uh, you know, it was it was really interesting, though, to see how that sort of side of things played out. I thought there were a few days during this trial. It went, uh, today was the 21st day. Um, since the opening statements, 20, you know, it's been more days than that, but 21 mm-hmm. days of sessions that they had. And, uh, I thought there were a few days that definitely were like, you know, the defense had some victories. In yeah, there. sure. Um, and it's, it did seem like at times like, Hmm, you know, maybe, maybe he'll walk here. Um, did, did you get that feeling at any point where you're like, Hmm, I don't know, like, or at least like a mistrial, you know, maybe there'd be a couple holdouts. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I know. I don't know if do I was totally to convinced that. that like something that big would have yeah. happened, but, um, I do think that, you know, defense attorney Steve Politi did, you know, there were days where he really hit points that, that were well-made and well-formed yeah. and really kind of made you stop and think, yeah. which, 
um, you know, which is just, I think, a mark of a good attorney. Yeah, um, I mean, I think he did actually an excellent job uh, in, you know, look, he was paid to defend. Yeah, right. uh, Now, you, you can speak to how he went about it. I mean, obviously, right. he's a bit of a flamboyant attorney, you know, he's kind of like, character. Uh, he's a character, and there's uh a lot of uh, a lot maybe that you know people might not like about him, and I yeah, can certainly right. understand that. And I think it's just sort of a a, 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 a dirty line of work in a sense. I mean, yeah, I think there's yeah, something yeah. noble about defending people, and I know sometimes people are wrongly accused. Absolutely. Obviously, it happens a lot. But it's yeah. just sort of um, you know there's something far more noble uh, just on its face about being a prosecutor. You know, exactly. you're doing it for less money. It's a public job, and it's a, a crazy burden that you carry to prove a case. Exactly. Um, so there's something about, you know, being a defense that's naturally going to come off to people is like, are you kidding me? You know, and mm-hmm. if you go by what readers say on message boards, and I mean, you know, people, people thought Thomas Murphy was guilty to begin with. Right. Um, but, but I just, I do want to say that I think, you know, I mean, we joke that, you know, if we were ever accused of a crime, like that's the guy you hire. I mean, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, we could afford him, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he, I, I do think he actually did an excellent job. And now one final word from our sponsor, Riverhead Buick GMC. They are a Long Island Sierra source and have proudly served the East End for generations. You asked for it, they listened. Riverhead Buick GMC has expanded its inventory so you get the vehicles you've been searching for. View their large selection ranging from sedans, trucks, and SUVs today. At Riverhead Buick GMC, they are more than just a better deal. They have given back to the Riverhead community for decades, supporting local Riverhead charities, schools, and parades, as well as providing vehicles for golf tournament fundraisers. Stop in today to take a test drive of that car you've been looking for. Grab a cup of coffee or just say hello to their friendly staff. Visit Riverhead Buick GMC on Route 58 in Riverhead, one mile east of the Tanger Outlets, or at RiverheadBuickGMC.com. Riverhead Buick GMC, not just a better deal, a better dealership. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, speaking of people's perceptions, is the perception that people had of Thomas Murphy, that he's, uh, you know, sort of a monster in this. And uh, Uh, I I want to, yeah, for me, um, I would would stop short of saying that he's a monster. I I do think, think that... I think you could be a good person and do things that people perceive as monstrous. Sure. I mean, he made a terrible, awful decision that clearly resulted in in just something horrific mm-hmm. um, to say that he's just like this evil monster. I don't know if I would go that far. I mean, you know, I sat yeah. behind his family in court. Yeah. Um, you have to think with this verdict, it's, you know, you can't necessarily celebrate yeah. a conviction. It's it's two families really that are just torn apart by this. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't set out, you know, with intent or anything like yeah. that, obviously, um, obviously you can you could speak to his character and in, in before he had hired Mr. Politi, he indicated that he was going to take responsibility yeah. and you know maybe the case wouldn't have gone to a trial and I think that is a little bit questionable. Yeah, I think um, the change of attorneys was sort of like a little bit of convenient way to not have to speak about what happened there. I mean, mm-hmm. when you hear from. Mr. Sini today, you know, he makes it pretty clear that they really believed, and the McMorris' said it today, too, they really believed that uh, that this was going to be over. This wasn't going to go to trial. Yeah. There was going to be some sort of deal. I know there's been some reporting. Well, Sini said today that there was never going to be any plea deal. Yeah, so there was never really any kind of deal, but just an agreement that he would, you know, plead, just guilty, plead guilty and he would do his time. Um, but, you know, he was facing 25 years in jail. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. You, like, I don't know when, that you could blame someone. I, I think you know. I, I look. I I know this is not a 
popular opinion, but um, I do feel that people they have a right to defend themselves. And this well, is well, you guy have a right who, to a trial. So. He's gonna, you know, he had every right to have that fair trial. He's a mm-hmm. guy who he is likely gonna die in jail. Um, it would be, you know, uh, we'll see what the sentencing is, but Mm -hmm. you know, if it's anything over 10 or 15 years, I think it's, you know, very likely that he'll, he'll, he'll never come out of jail and, you know, now, but he put a family through something that was pretty awful. And there were times where, you know, I'd look over and you just see this family and you can't even imagine it, you know, as a, uh, a father myself, I'm like, you know, or you don't even have to be a father, just a human being yeah. to see it and be like, oh my God, that they have to go through this. Um, I think at times Murphy supporters were, um, you know, frustrated by some of the things that were going on and maybe there was mm-hmm. a little bit of a lack of sensitivity there. I think for the most part, both sides were pretty um respectful absolutely throughout in yeah. terms of there wasn't like dramatic outbursts at any real point in this mm-hmm. trial there were times where people got upset naturally it's i can maybe thing. only think of one or two instances where yeah the outbursts were much more between mr politi right judge and judge camacho uh what did you think of judge camacho during this trial I thought he was incredibly fair um i did too he tried to you know not favor one side even though yeah. he would i think tend to favor prosecution the prosecutors yeah, i mean in in the sense that he was um, exasperated by some. Bleeding. I mean, you know, there was. But some, he showed a know, lot of patience. Um, he, yeah, I think he showed a lot of patience. I think he ultimately. I think actually, because there was always this sort of threat of Politi calling out mistrial. Yeah. Um, it's obvious. I mean, they've already said there's going to be an appeal. It's obvious that there was going to be an appeal if he was convicted. Mm-hmm. I think that's very clear from the start. So I think because of that. Judge Camacho probably had to give him like a little bit more of a leash, you know. He kind of had he to. He said like that let several him, times yeah. throughout the trial. Like I'm being very lenient with you. Yeah, being... I think you know he uh, and he lost his cool sometimes. But I think all in all, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you can definitely see him getting frustrated and you know uh, putting his hands to his forehead and that. Oh, sort that of was thing. his move. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, <laughs> I do. I you know I've I've observed Judge Camacho. I know uh, our readers have been upset with some of the. Uh, sentences that have come down, especially like plea deals where people have been, you know, it's been kind of lenient. I find him to be a very fair judge. I find him to be Mm -hmm. um, a uh, very plain spoken judge, very approachable, sensitive um, judge, you know. And uh, I I think, you know, speaking about plea deals happening and and people being frustrated, you kind of can't have it both ways. So like people are frustrated in this instance that it goes to a trial and, um, you know, maybe this guy wasn't going to be convicted. But then if there were were a plea deal, and I know in this case there wasn't a deal on the table, but often there's plea deals on the table mm-hmm. and somebody maybe does a couple of years on something that you expected them to do much longer and then people are mad about that. Exactly. Um, it's kind of like you, you can't win in these situations. Sure. Um, well, but, I was reading... Well, I will say, I guess today's outcome for most people, most of our readers, they're very satisfied with that. So you can win, I guess. I mean, obviously not everybody out there. There are people who support Mr. Murphy. They were there in the courtroom every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they necessarily got as much attention in the stories as the McMorris supporters because, you know, it's not like they were speaking to the media and stuff sure. like that. But, his, you know, his family was there as a woman who I believe was his mom. Um, he had his, each of his three daughters were there at times. One daughter in particular was there most days. Um, right, right. I think there was a woman who maybe was his sister. I don't quite know who everybody was, right. um, but he definitely had people there and they had a fairly large defense team that was part of the the people there. But um, it was, uh, it was really, uh, 
Really interesting to see this one play out in terms of how people reacted to it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I know that the other day I was reading through some of the Facebook comments because four of the charges that were in the original indictment had been mm-hmm. dropped by the judge, um, and he said they weren't legally sustainable. And I think you really have to read through the indictment and see the legal standards to really understand that. I think yeah. maybe some people like didn't yeah. <laughs> fully understand why they were being yeah, dropped. Definitely. So look, I mean, I think. People, you know, you can't blame the judge for that. It's, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm not, you know, neither of us is just specifically a court reporter. Right. We, you know, do these sort of special assignments from time to time, um, and we do a million other things. I'll be writing about like the best cheeseburger out here uh, next week. You know, I'll be back at town hall. <laughs> yeah, you'll be back at town hall. Um, but you know, it's like the, um, it, it's complicated. You know, even when you're there every day for a trial. It's complicated. It's complicated to explain it to people. It's complicated to understand it yourself. You definitely have to have interactions with the attorneys. Um, Especially having really no legal background or knowledge yeah. aside from maybe what I've seen on like yeah. a police p- procedural drama on TV or something like that. Yeah. Um, so. This was actually the first trial that I had been yeah. um, covering as a reporter from mm-hmm. kind of gavel to gavel, like like yeah. we said before, from jury selection, even really before that with yeah. all the... Um, pre-trial hearings and the arraignment and everything, but mm-hmm. I mean, day in and day out, covering the trial was a little bit grueling. To to really, so much happens in the courtroom that doesn't make the story. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's and that's the hardest thing about this. I yeah. mean, we were writing like one thousand to fifteen hundred word stories every day, which like for a little perspective to a reader is your average story is six hundred to eight hundred mm-hmm. words maybe in our papers. So if you're writing kind of double the size of an average story. I mean, story. they were coming and out we to a thousand stories. words. You know, I think we looked, it was like over 50 stories that we've had on this case from the beginning of the crash. Yeah. Um, and that's but, already being edited edited down yeah. from, I mean, we could, I don't know, fill yeah. the whole paper. So, so you mentioned the understanding of those four charges being dropped. Um, well, they were dropped. I think that was one of the days, as I had said earlier, where like the defense kind of really had victories. Um, sure. So they yeah. put somebody on the stand who was the... Um, he was uh, chief toxicologist at the medical examiner's office, uh, Michael Lehrer, and his in his testimony, he's saying, you know, that it was a .19. Well, some of the charges that Mr. Murphy was indicted on required a .18. Mm-hmm. He was saying he didn't have notes. Mr. Politi really pressed him on it. I think he actually pointed out yesterday that it was actually Judge Camacho who asked the question for him. There was an objection, okay. so Camacho sometimes, which is another thing that I really like about Camacho's style is that he speeds things up by asking the question himself. At the mm-hmm. time, he says, hey, I'll handle this and ask a question so that it can, you know, they can um, navigate those, that constant flow of objections. Sometimes when you're covering these trials, it's just like objection, objection, and they're repeating questions over yep. and over. And Camacho does, I think, an excellent job of summing up the question in a way that, you know... Um, that the witness can understand. That the witness can understand and also that uh, both sides could be happy with. Mm-hmm. But Judge Camacho was the one who actually answered asked him that question, and he if said, he yeah, had I, additional I, I, notes. I do have notes. And then, you know, police like, oh, you have notes. Where are these? You yeah. know? And if you if you could record in the courtroom, it would be a great clip to play right here. Of, sure, it was a sure. really crazy moment. And, uh, you know, that is, uh, to an extent, withholding evidence now, the reason there was no legal repercussions beyond the charges being dismissed is because it wasn't like the prosecutors were withholding. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like they were doing or, it on purpose. Uh, yeah. Rosario violation. Mm-hmm. It was not... Um, it was not in their possession. They they weren't aware of it. Now, obviously, they were. I'm sure they were talking to him while he was taking notes, and they probably should have gathered them. But yeah. uh, you know, I don't think there was anything nefarious done there. And he turned them over. And when it turned them over, there it showed that there was you know some 
margin of error for, I can't remember the exact term, that made it so that could have maybe been 0.17 exactly. uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, it's all, uh, this the, this method of extrapolation is really like a, uh, you know, kind of a interesting process. It's a little bit of, I don't Mr. Politi called it junk science and mm-hmm. guesswork. And to a certain extent, I maybe kind of agree with that. You know, it's not... Uh, Science is science. It's very much by the rule. And in this, it's a certain amount of estimating it. Yeah, there's estimating, but, but that I mean, said, I think I mean, the judge yeah. also maybe had said this at one point. Um, you know, when you're thinking about blood alcohol level, like logic tells you that it really only goes down over time. So, yeah. I mean, that I can agree with. Yeah, any, well, the inner workings ever, of extrapolation, I don't, you know. Anyone who's ever had a few drinks and you know that it sure. starts to wear off after a little while, you know. Yeah. Um, now, uh he was also, it brought him down to a 0.17. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like it brought him down to a 0.07 or something like that. But those right. specific charges, you had to meet you the, had to meet thresh, the threshold of the 0.18. I thought he did absolutely the right thing, um, getting those charges out of there. If not for the fact that it really could have, like, it also could have really hurt things, but the jury would have been really confused by mm-hmm. it, you know. And they already took away the testimony of the 0.19. I think yeah, they wouldn't have known what to, to do, yeah. And yeah. the other thing I was thinking about, if... Um, you know, had Mr. Murphy 13 or 14 months ago just pled guilty to the initial indictment, I wonder if there would have been any legal repercussions if that had been discovered that, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, to me, the biggest, most damning piece of evidence here that I think ultimately led to the conviction is the 0.13, the actual yes. blood alcohol reading four hours after the crash. Mm-hmm. I know the defense... I think this is maybe where they were less effective with trying to sort of paint it like there could have been, you know, a bunch of different scenarios that could have led to that. Yeah, um, I mean, you would have to I believe. guess, yeah, of course it could lead to that, but, like, just a lot of things would have had yeah. to happen. And where the defense kind of lost me a little in just my own personal opinion, I don't think it was reflected in our reporting at all, but um, is just some of the stuff that's like, you know— um, like as if there was some kind of police conspiracy yeah, here. Yeah, to collude with the DAs people and People were neighbors witnesses. and all that. That's a defense tactic. I mean, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think the jury can kind of see right through that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did. But also even, even his argument over the blood test and how it was taken in the chain of command, I mean, sitting there you would have to think, okay, so it's dependent yeah. on the blood not being, the blood kit not being yeah. assembled correctly and things being expired and then his arm vein wasn't cleaned properly and then you know the tubes were something was wrong with the tubes that were collecting his blood and things weren't refrigerated exactly but then they're saying and then there were microorganisms up and stuff so it's like uh, you know it just and then if his also becomes a little complicated too it's like kind of a complicated narrative for a jury to really stick with you know when they're sitting there for hours and hours and you're examining and cross-examining and you know and then you have defense witnesses clouding things i just think it became Got a little complicated at times. For uh, sure. But, and I mean, you I know, mean, that's not to say that they didn't, you know, I mean, they, they did a good job of really like kind of throwing stuff out there. And there were some days where it was like, oh, they're more than just throwing stuff out there. You know, like this is like actually fairly substantial testimony here, mm-hmm. um, particularly on the last day with um, Janine Arvizu. Um, who testified as to, um, you know, just some of, they had an expired needle, mm-hmm. um, things like that. That's like, all right, you know, like some of this was kind of, uh, or not an expired needle. I apologize. I'm, I'm mis, 
characterizing what that instrument was, but an instrument that expired, the pipette that went, yeah. Um, And, you know. To transfer the blood into another vial that was then tested. And that was expired. And, you know, I know in summations, Brendan Ahern uh, likened that to uh, driving a car a day after the inspection, you know, expired. The pipette wasn't it it expired like the day prior? Yeah. So it was actually the day of the crash because I guess it expires by the month. So September 30th, the day of the crash. And then October 1st was when they actually did the reading. Um, The crash was on a Sunday. They went into work on Mm -hmm. Monday. You know, um, that's a little bit of a tough... It's a stretch. A little bit of a stretch, but I do think she kind of talked about... She did a good job of explaining, kind of as I said earlier, like, you know, science is science. You're taught that it's very... It's methodical, you know. It's very... Things have to really follow a very clear path. The numbers need to add up, everything. There's no real room for... um, expanding on things. So any kind of little, you know, error that's made, there's no real room for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought she was pretty effective as a witness. Um, but obviously today guilty on all charges, all charges. Yeah. Was I was the- stunned. I was, I was, um, I almost felt relieved in the courtroom because you're, yeah. you're covering the trial every day and you don't know what's going to happen. And, yeah. um, you know, I thought it was appropriate and, yeah, I think it was uh, probably, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's look, you never know with all these things why it's really hard to convict somebody is mm-hmm. because you just, you don't know what you happened. don't know, yeah. And if somebody has the means to hire a good defense attorney and um, craft a, uh, a narrative that can be, um, uh, you know, confusing to a jury or even just, you know, be... The truth that gets through to a jury, it's, you know, it's really tough. I mean, I think I I walk away from that saying I would never want to be a defense attorney because, um, you know, it's obviously you're you're not the most popular guy in the room when you're a defense attorney. It's very like, you know, people say, how could you sleep at night? And I think I tend to agree with that a little bit. Um, But I do feel... um, that I, I also could not be a prosecutor, even though it, I, it's a job I certainly respect. It's a great, I mean, these think about these guys. I mean, they're taking less money than mm-hmm. if they were working as defense attorneys. I think, you know, some of them have been in private practice, maybe even all the prosecutors, I'm not sure, all their histories. Mm-hmm. I know Mr. Ahern certainly was a defense attorney previously. And you do, you take a pay cut and you have to work crazy hard. And it is really tough to meet that burden of proof. And uh, it's it's a true public service. Um, and I it think, is. Yeah, you know, I agree. they, uh, should be commended, not just for this case, but all the cases that they go out there and there are, you know, obviously we saw the previous district attorney convicted in federal court this week as well. That's um, right. so there are, uh, there, bad, was there are conviction. bad apples in, in, in the, in the, uh, in the bunch, but for the most part, the people who go out there and try these cases are, um, you know. They're great public servants, and yeah. uh, it's well. It's you know, been it's a busy couple of, of days for the DA's office. They got the yeah. that well. That was a federal um, conviction for Spoda, but I, I've gotten like two or three press releases about yeah, other convictions. A, I know there was a gang, like a gang uh, member conviction as well. It's um, yeah, and all like kind of. It's nice to see the when the system and, works the yeah. way it's supposed to. Yeah, and I am. Uh, I think it's fair to say that I think. F- for both of us, happy for the McMorris family that, you know, I yes. don't think this thing is over. There's going to be appeals, but mm-hmm. um, that they you know, get and a quiet, like, peaceful moment now. I can't imagine. I mean, it's never, you never heal from something like that. They'll yeah, deal right. with that. Uh, you know, that's something that's going to be on their minds. They'll never forget their son. Um, but it was nice to uh, see some 
sense of relief in them today. Yeah, my heart really kind of broke for them throughout the trial. Yeah, but, it's um, hard. You know, watching just the way they compose themselves and just... Yeah. They're so resilient. Yeah, and um, I thought Mr. McMorris, he had to take the stand. Um, right, I thought right. he was... Um, very strong up there. He was yeah. articulate. He was. Uh, he represented his son and his family well up there, and the fellow mm-hmm. scouts. Um, I have to say, on both sides on this, um, everybody was very was you know for the most part courteous to the media, and that's not always the case on these things. And yeah. the McMorrises, especially, really went out of their way to talk yes. every day. There were days where. I was like, I'm going to give her a break today. I'm not mm-hmm. going to bother her, and I would just kind of my sort of. I, I don't like being the reporter who's just like all up in somebody's yes, face. Like right. these aren't necessarily the stories where you need to be in someone's face. They'll come to you if they want to talk, mm-hmm. and you can always report she on what really, was said in the courtroom. Yeah. That's enough. And she, yeah, she would she go came out of her over, way. Yeah, yeah, she went out of her way to to come over and yeah. There were a couple instances, in. and then obviously when her husband, after he testified, was able to join her, the same thing. I know mm-hmm. a couple times where um, you know we'd look with uh, Robert Brodsky over at Newsday and just be like, wow, I mean that was really nice of them to come over, and yeah. you know. Um, that was uh, something I'd definitely take away from this. And, and and the Murphys, too, for the most part. I mean, look, like when somebody's they, – they're not going to – you can't really talk to them. You're going to talk to their lawyer or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I would say, you know, they uh, also were, like, fairly friendly with us. And, yes, you know, absolutely. Not, I uh, had a couple, like, awkward elevator yeah, rides. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, once yeah. you get past it, you know, you kind of – you're there. Yeah. We're there to do our job. and Yeah, you get into kind of yeah. a rhythm. And um, it's not – you know, nobody's like, you know – Becoming best friends with anybody when you come in this, yeah. and you go, and you never see these people again for the rest of your lives, except for maybe the lawyers and the judge, yeah. but uh, who you don't even talk to the judge anyway in these processes. <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, you got the experience of getting to do this, um, and uh, it was, you know, good good for me as well to be able to, you know, write these stories. And um, and good. we got it in the paper. On, we on got deadline. it in the paper on deadline. So be sure to pick up a copy of the Riverhead News Review. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it's on newsstands Thursday morning. So for most people listening to this, it'll already be out there. Go up, pick up a copy, uh, support us. And, uh, yeah, we got it in a very tough deadline because next week <laughs> is our year in review issue. Yeah, so we already. Wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had this in print if it didn't happen pretty much at the exact moment it happened, yes. around a little before 2.30 on Wednesday. So uh, thanks a lot, Tara. Thanks a lot. Thanks to all our listeners. And uh, we'll be back. We actually have a year in review podcast coming up soon uh, in the next couple days. So be sure to check that out. Also, every morning, check out our daily updates. We'll have this case in tomorrow's daily update as well. So uh, thanks a lot, everybody.